You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 78 of Aging Starts Now. I'm Barbara McGinnis, certified elder law attorney and partner at Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. Joining me today is fellow partner and attorney, Chris Johnson. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Barbara. Always great to be on the podcast. We're sharing some cautionary tales and mistakes that we've seen families make. The focus of this podcast will be things that you need to share with your spouse. So many times we've seen families in our office during a crisis or even after a death with a real mess that could have been avoided with a little communication and planning. This is especially true for those couples where one spouse has been the person responsible for household business or finance. Well, Chris, can you think of a time where just a little bit of communication would have uh, paved the way for an easier transition, right? Something as simple as one spouse not knowing the computer passwords. That's right. I, I, I can think of almost too many that count. It sometimes amazes me. I think it amazes all of us. Sometimes the key information that isn't communicated because People just get set in their ways. They're, this is my responsibility. That's my spouse's responsibility. And so they get good at it. The funny thing is, it works out. Hey, they're, they cover the bills. They cover the computer stuff. And so I don't have to think about it. And it works. But they never think about what happens when that other spouse is unable to do it anymore. And I think you, you hit the first one right on the head, not knowing the computer password, because if you can't get on that computer, just think about the wealth of information that we maintain on there, financial documents, legal documents. We, we have PDFs of everything, um, and we have uh, bank accounts and other accounts where the password is auto-saved by the computer. But if you can't get in that computer, all of that does you absolutely no good. And not sharing that is just an enormous, enormous mistake. I honestly knew uh, it was a work friend of mine. And these were people that were, you know, young. They were in their 30s or maybe 40 tops, and the husband was suddenly tragically killed in a motor vehicle accident. And the wife, an intelligent person, did not even know the password to the computer. Forget about bank account pins and passwords or anything like that, could not open the computer. Um, And that just added so much stress on top of the, the grief that she was, the acute grief that she was experiencing and her world was turned upside down. And then 
is a real ankle biter not being able to get into the computer. And that was years ago. And now we have so many more things that we have to have passwords and pins for. Our cell phone, for example, and all the accounts and apps that we keep on our cell phone. And we're also so worried about having a breach of our data um, or having our data compromised that, you know, we don't even think about we need to write this stuff down somewhere so that we can have it in a safe, secure place in our home so that our loved one can carry on business with as least amount of interruption and difficulties as possible. So that was an, that's an easy one to get, to, to get out there. Something like bank accounts You know, I'm going to assume that we're talking about couples that they're not trying to hide anything. There's no clandestine anything going on. But just knowing where all the bank accounts are, if there's business bank accounts somewhere or uh, because a lot of people are in private service related businesses, they have a sole proprietorship type work and they have business accounts and that might be in their name only. But if they suddenly passed away, someone needs to be able to access that funds to continue to pay for inventory or maybe even payroll in a business. So what about that? Access to bank accounts. PODs well, would be something pretty easy to do, wouldn't it? They, it'd be very easy to do. And, and that's the biggest thing on, on all of these solutions that we're going to discuss here is the ounce of prevention is worth the pound of cure. In fact, it probably doubly so or even exponentially so. I don't think people understand after the fact how hard it is to get this corrected. You, you spoke about a PIN number on your phone. Good luck calling Apple and asking them to essentially open up your spouse's phone. And I think that's very startling and sometimes upsetting. You'll, you'll hear the phrase, but I'm their spouse. I, I, don't, I have, don't I have access automatically? Legally, aren't I entitled to this? And the answer to both those questions are no. Uh, certainly not without going through the proper channels, whether that's a probate process or asking a court to compel these things. And when you're going through those processes, they're very expensive, they're very time consuming, they're exceedingly stressful. And people don't realize, especially when it comes to marital stuff, there's this assumption that I have a right or I have automatic access to these things. And it's simply not true. And so a beneficiary designation form on an account Something as simple as, uh, you know, now it doesn't work after death, but if they become incapacitated, simply having power of attorney and being able to present that to the bank and saying, my spouse is incapacitated, but I have legal authority to make decisions for them. That is going to make a huge, huge difference. Uh, The PIN numbers, trying to fix these things after the fact is miserable. And even if you are successful, of which it will take a great deal of effort and time and expense, it won't feel like you're successful having been run through that ringer. And it is a a mild inconvenience to take care of these things up front, but that is nothing. It absolutely pales in comparison to having having the access, having this information, when you absolutely need it. Because if you don't have it, you are, you are going to be miserable. 
I was thinking about an event I heard this today, and it had to do with, you, know, you actually triggered the thought when you said something about using your, your power of attorney document to access bank accounts if there was incapacity. All right, so child number one is durable power of attorney for parent, but parent has a bank account with child number two. And guess what that means? Power of attorney cannot access mom's bank account. It doesn't work because there is a joint ownership with another person. That child number one who has the document would have to be power of attorney over both bank owners. So that's something to think about when you're adding people to your bank accounts. Um, so we generally don't recommend adding children to bank accounts anyway, but there's another good reason not to do that. All right, here's another cautionary tale. We actually had a client who um, assumed that when her husband died, she would continue to receive his pension as a surviving spouse. Actually, most people believe that. And that's not necessarily, or it's not automatically going to be the case. You have to make that election when you retire, how you're going to, um, or if there's going to be a surviving spouse pension. And if you don't choose that because you want to receive perhaps a higher benefit during your lifetime, that's absolutely fine, but make sure your spouse knows so that it can be incorporated into your estate plan. And we're not assuming that we're going to have one level of income when the truth really is another much reduced level of income to, to live upon. That's a decision that should be made together but perhaps it's a blended family or a second or third marriage and you weren't the spouse when they retired, um, which is the case in, uh, that I'm thinking about. So what other good advice you got, Chris? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head with the never assume. And it, it, isn't, it doesn't just apply to will I get my spouse's pension. It applies across the board. You never make assumptions when it comes to this stuff because we're talking about issues where someone passes away and if you have it wrong or you don't have the information you think you do or you think certain revenue streams are going to continue and they don't, there's no fixing that after the fact. And so validating everything, one of the best ways to validate stuff is to make lists. And so we talked about passwords. Write down the username, keep it in a safe place, but your bank accounts, your email accounts, your social media accounts, write down the username and passwords, write down the PIN numbers to devices and make sure that they can be accessed, certainly in case of an emergency. Uh, if you have a key to the safety deposit box, make sure someone else knows where that is. Make sure they know you have a safety deposit box and, and have that Basically, it's a quick plan. Have that letter in case something happens to me. This is the immediate action for my spouse. This is the immediate action for my children. Here are the things that will need to be done uh, so that they know what to do. When you leave behind a plan, you are setting your loved ones up for success and you are helping them and you've basically given them a gift 
during a very tumultuous and difficult time. When you don't leave them a plan, all you're doing is exacerbating an already bad situation. They're already mourning the loss of a loved one. To have to figure these things out and discover, like you said, discovering that the pension revenue that was expected and counted upon uh, as a resource for the rest of their life while they're grieving you to find out that that doesn't exist either, uh, that just astronomically compounds the pain that they're going through. So validating everything and making lists. When you make a list, you tend not to miss things. And that's what we're trying to help you help all of our clients get through is make sure that we're not missing any big things that could cause a real problem. For sure. So that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Takis McGinnis is a life care planning law firm helping families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com. Document downloads, the Tagus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.